Around the world, sports and sporting activities are universally loved. Whether it's football, or as we say in the US, soccer, hockey, basketball, or tennis, sports are a part of many people's lives. And as a result, professional and amateur athletes and sporting organizations have the power and influence to bring about positive social and environmental change. And this point is evident with this week's podcast guest, Amy Monroe head of sustainability at the 11th Hour Racing Team. On our channel, we've always wanted to interview guests from around the world who are creating real change that has a positive impact on our environment. And that's exactly what Amy and the 11th Hour Racing Team are doing. The 11th Hour Racing Team say it best, from the oxygen we breathe, to the food we eat, to the stability of our climate, we only thrive when our ocean thrives. As the climate crisis intensifies, so does the human impact on our oceans. And that's why restoring our seas is an important undertaking as large as the ocean itself. In today's episode, I speak with Amy to understand the impacts human activity has had on the ocean and to learn what the 11th Hour Racing Team is looking to achieve. The topics range from life aboard the sailboat to how the boat is being used to help scientists with marine life research, biodiversity conservation, and ocean protection. This is our first time interviewing a sporting organization on our channel. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, Amy, thanks so much for joining me on the Sustainability Champions podcast. Great to have you on the show. Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Awesome. I am too. And the way I like to start these conversations is really just learning a little bit more about the 11th hour racing team from a high level. So I like to hear what I call the elevator pitch, just a one to two minute or one to two sentence uh, description of what is the 11th hour racing team. Yeah, of course. So we are a high performance sailing team um, and we are an American team based mostly in France um, with a mission to to um, race around the world as part of the ocean race. And we're currently just finished leg one from Alicante to Cabo Verde um, and we're just getting the boat all repaired and ready for the next leg. Um, and the exciting thing about being part of this team is that we have um, a core mission to embed sustainability in everything that we're doing um, and use the great platform and opportunities involved with um, with having uh, you know, a, a sporting platform to be able to not just raise awareness, but but showcase solutions um, and get get stuck into some of the industries that that we're working in. Interesting. Okay, so there's a lot of different things to to follow up on. For, uh, first thing I'd like to ask is, you said that that this is part of what's called the was it the Great Ocean Race or just the Ocean Race? The Ocean Race. Yeah. So what is the Ocean Race? Yes. So the Ocean Race is it's the toughest, longest sporting event in existence. Really, it's around around the world race. Um, oh, wow. We have uh, and we compete in a sixty foot long boat um with five sailors uh, on board it's pretty um pretty stripped back no luxuries the um the guys and girls on board are uh living in um i guess you could say almost like a 20 foot container type um uh environment um they take everything on board with them so they've got a bunch of freeze dried they're making you know energy from using energy from their solar and hydro generators um that it's all pretty pretty simple they share two bunks um cook everything from a from a jet boil um 
and yeah and and sort of sleep in shifts and sort of do four hours on four four hours off in some of the most sort of inhospitable seas and oceans that there are out there so it's a great story of adventure it's incredible and so they're doing all of this while racing other people Mm -hmm. doing the exact same thing yeah exactly amazing and so the and and is there is there a broader purpose to this race you mentioned sustainability is that the purpose of this race or is it is it something else yeah, for sure. There's a strong theme within the ocean race of, of racing with purpose. And, and in particular, this um, this edition, there's a strong focus on ocean rights and um, bringing awareness and action to a, a declaration of ocean rights, recognizing um, the need for the ocean to have one voice and and um, be recognized at you know, a higher level. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for that. So as far as having giving the ocean a voice and and exploring all of the things that i suppose the ocean needs from conservation restoration point of view etc what are some of the challenges that are currently facing the ocean that you're hoping to bring awareness to yeah i think um well there's a huge a huge number of issues and and as sailors we feel especially um you know the the guys on the ocean race they they get what we kind of call uh, the ocean view effect. And, and Charlie, our skipper, has spent a bit of time with um, astronaut Nicole Stott, uh, where she describes the overview effect when you go into space and you kind of mm. see see the planet from afar and you kind of get a real understanding of how, um, of how just, you know, of how precious it is and how we need to work as as crew members, not just passengers. And, um, all, and I think that's something that's very... Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something that's very true for the sailors as well, where they feel very connected, you know, when they're on the ocean and um, it's miles and miles of blue in every direction, you you get a similar type of perspective. And also, you know, when you're when you're on the on these boats, you get a good idea for how little we actually need to live and, you know, the effect of when we're back on land, the pressures and of consumerist lifestyles and and actually how um, it's a it's a sort of interesting uh, lesson in circularity being on a boat like this uh, for weeks and weeks at a time um so some of the key challenges that um that we're seeing and that we're trying to address um is uh, biodiversity ocean acidification um uh you know plastic pollution amongst uh, many others and also uh, like equitable access to resources and um and things like that yeah i mean these are really big topics that uh, i mean you have specialists focusing on just each one of these whether it's biodiversity or, or plastic i mean these are huge topics and considering the the size of the ocean and especially in relation to land it's i mean it really is the biggest topic i would imagine um uh but it's in one thing you said is really interesting, which makes me think, um, you know, in terms of this, the broader view and how these sailors have to go into extreme and hospitable environments, putting themselves through a lot. I mean, sleeping for four hours and doing the shifts. I mean, that's intense, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not easy. Um, and that under those conditions, that's when they start to get this uh, overview effect, uh, I believe is what, it, what you called it. I wonder if there's a way or, or I, the question is, how can we have that same level of understanding and and that the, that same, um, I, I guess, feeling of oneness and that we're not just passengers on on the aboard a ship, but we're actually crew members and we have to work together, et cetera, when we are on land living our daily lives and 
going through the random little dramas of of the day of the week of the month you know and and we're presented with with daily life and all of its challenges ups and downs how do we you know we're we're living on a on a on a 60 foot boat um in on inhospitable waters is not a permanent state of being for most people mm-hmm. how can we take that and apply it to everyone else who is living and and kind of share those values with others I don't know if you have an answer to that. That's just what I'm wondering because yeah. it, it seems like that's kind of what we need. Oh, for sure. And I think it's, you know, it's hard to um, care about or protect what we don't know or love, mm. you know, what we, um, you know, we protect what we love and we love what we know. So I think the more that we can tell these stories as as ocean users or as, you know, as, as people passionate about being on the water, um, the more we can sort of share what the ocean does for us, you know, with everything from, you know, oxygen, the oxygen that we breathe to regulating climate and, and weather and, you know, all of the many, many things that um, many benefits that we see. So I think often it's, a, it's about telling those stories mm-hmm. um, for the sailors. But, um, but yeah, I guess remembering that we're part of that bigger picture, too. Yeah, I think it's a very valuable lesson, really, is just, you know, how we are, we're one each one of us is just one piece of a much bigger p- picture and much bigger puzzle. Um, so some of those those things that you're you're raising awareness about biodiversity, um, the plastic, the ocean acidification. I mean, as I said, these are huge topics. How how is the eleventh hour racing team either addressing them or bringing awareness to them? Yeah, I guess, so I guess we um, we want to. Um be initially you know credible in what we're doing so I I guess we sort of start by um you know we kind of feel like there's there's a lot of awareness raising maybe and actually we want to be much more focused on solutions working from within you know the marine industry the sporting world to create change there so um you know and, and hopefully beyond so I guess that where that where that starts for us yeah although we know you know all of these things end up with you know impacts on the ocean we want to bring it back to what our activities are and kind of try to lead by example there so we did a big sort of period of um at the beginning of the campaign consultation with all of our stakeholders and um really understand what the key issues were um what our what our big activities were where our big impact hotspots were going to be um and then we're quite sort of driven by data so we did a detailed analysis of um, the build of our boat, for example, huge challenges there. So, um, you know, as a result of that detailed life cycle assessment, we could then, you know, pick out some of the key impact hotspots, um, work with the, uh, with the with the class who sets the rules around our type of boat um, and help, uh, you know, embed rules changes to help bring us in more in line with, um, you know, 50% reductions by 2030 and and um, and net zero by 2050. And so I was looking at that, so data-informed decision-making, um, trialing alternative materials and, and processes, working with a huge amount of our suppliers. So that was a really um, a big part of it, actually, a big realization as we were going through the process of gathering all this detailed data and information. We had, you know, a lot of open doors for to have those conversations around sustainability. And um, but where we then hit made, hit challenges was, you know, a lot of the suppliers are working with a small, medium size, and although they might have the the passion and the intention or the, um, you know, the uh, willingness, um, they might not have the time or the budget or the expertise in house. So. 
off the back of that, we created a project called the Toolbox, which is a set of resources, like a sort of one to eight steps on how initially, you know, our suppliers could go about putting in place a sustainability program. So we're kind of starting in that space in, in trying to help our industry move forward with the uh, with the intention that, you know, the knock-on effects mm-hmm. of that are reduced emissions and therefore you know, less of an impact on our generations. Mm-hmm. And we're, when you're talking about your suppliers, et cetera, this is regarding how, how you're actually building the boat. Building the boat, how we're operating as a team, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, because, yeah, I mean, I, I imagine beyond the, the five sailors on the boat, mm-hmm. uh, there's others who are supporting and you have to travel. Uh, you, you said yes, the first leg exactly. was Alicante to Cabo Verde. Yeah. So somewhat you have to get from Alicante to Cabo Verde. Uh, yeah. the, the, the others on the team who are not the sailors have to travel as well and so on and so forth. Uh, I'd like to talk about something else that I saw on your website, which really fascinates me, and that's your onboard science program. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is and what you're hoping to accomplish with it? Yes. So this, for me, as um, is very it's super exciting. So I had a background in oceanography, and um, so to be able to see the boats um, travel around the world with um, you know ocean science equipment on board is really exciting, especially because they go to some really remote spots. Um, and so, yeah, what we're doing is we've got a, um, some instrumentation called the Ocean Pack on board the boat, which is constantly taking samples, um, tracking, you know, uh, carbon dioxide levels, temperature, salinity. Um, and we can even take sort of samples for microplastics and things like that. So um, that live data is coming back off the boat. Um, and then uh, the Ocean Rays are working with a number of organizations, including the National Oceanography Center, um and noah amongst others to to process that that data and so sorry what was the last part no just that just that it's quite an exciting project i mean it sounds incredible and what an opportunity because it's um you know the boats are already there and Mm -hmm. it's a race around the world so you can using the same equipment in I mean, it's a race, right? So you're you're trying to do this as quickly as possible, which is amazing. You get to see practically in real time the same equipment taking samples almost at the same time period. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's not exactly the same, but you know, you you get within uh, a, a relatively close period of time to see how things move. And are, are the sailors expected to do anything with this equipment, or it just automatically tracks it on its own? Are, are they required while they're on board to be taking the samples and actually processing them or preparing them or something like that? Or is it just sort of much more passive than that? Mm-hmm. It's mostly quite passive, actually, but we do have um, uh, what we call uh, science with sci-fi. So sci-fi is Simon Fisher, who's our uh, navigator. Um, and uh, yeah, he does a, a lot of the um, management of the because they draw, you know, a certain amount of energy and um uh, so making sure that we've got the right sort of energy in, energy out, that the it's charged and and all that kind of thing, and uh, and checking that it's um, you know functional and all that kind of thing. So yes, there's a little management, um, and the guys are are really engaged in in the data that comes off the boat as well, which is quite exciting. So we um, yeah get to sell with another purpose, which is exciting. Yeah, I mean, what well, seems like the sailing 
is the purpose is, you know, ultimately to raise awareness and to understand what's mm-hmm. actually going on. So it, it's so cool. It, like you said, it, yeah, it, you get to participate in a race, which is amazing and fun and adrenaline and exhilarating mm-hmm. in and in and of itself. And simultaneously, you're, you're actually contributing to science and raising awareness. And yeah, it, it really is double, double, um, it's working double time. Uh, and sure. so recently you published your 2021 sustainability report um mm-hmm. is the science or or the, the this onboard science program that we were just talking about is that factored into your sustainability report or are you looking more at what we were just talking about before that in terms of your suppliers carbon emissions mm-hmm. how you're actually or, or is it both yeah it's a little of both um it's um our report annual pro- Annual reports are mostly um, yeah, operational reports, but it includes a lot of the um, innovation and science and outreach and, and things as well. We're moving, it won't, um, so our sort of 21 and 22 reports will be mostly focused on, um, you know, boat build impacts and um, operational impacts. But as we move now into the phase of um, taking part in the ocean race, we move more into looking at, um, yeah, a rep- and reporting on the ocean science projects, um, as well as our grantee projects as we as we move around from location to location as well. And what is the, who are the grantees? So this is uh, this has been a really exciting process to bring on board our um, our grantees. So at each stopover, at each leg of the race. So we start in Alicante in Spain, and then we we're now here in Cabo Verde. We go next to Cape Town with a Town. beautiful view. With a beautiful view, yeah. yeah. Uh, we go next to Cape Town, which oh, will be wow. a couple of weeks sailing, and then um, Brazil, Itajaí in Brazil, up to Newport, Rhode Island, and then back across the Atlantic to Aarhus, the Hague, and then a finish in Genoa. So um, at each of those locations, we're quite. Um, it's quite important to us that we're not just sort of turning up and and having an impact, having emissions impacts in in the locations that we are um, visiting. That actually we um, have a chance to sort of uplift and um, highlight some of the great work of local NGOs in in those locations as well, especially as it relates to ocean health um, and equitable access to to the ocean and to natural resources. Um, so uh, in in Cabo Verde here, we've just been working with a fantastic local NGO called um, Biosphera, who have been working on a marine pollution action plan for the island, as well as um, a number of things that they, the, the number of projects they're working on, including shark and ray protection, um, and as well, uh, sort of recycling programs for the island that are all sort of interlinked, all topics are interlinked. So it's been really exciting. We did a, an aquatic cleanup with them yesterday. Um, and then when we get to Cape Town, it's more of a focus on on freshwater access to freshwater. Um, so yeah, excited to get there and um, and see that see the projects that they're working on, and help sort of use use our platform to showcase their their solutions. And and so the grantees are is it are the grantees these NGOs or grantees are sponsoring the work that the NGOs are doing. Or, the grantees are the NGOs themselves, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And so, and then if we talk about the sponsor, because you're the 11th hour racing team, and mm. before the call, you mentioned that, um, or before the recording, you mentioned that 11th hour racing is your sponsor. Is that correct? Yeah. So who yeah. who is, or what is 11th hour racing? Yeah. So um, unlike any, what I feel is a normal sponsorship where you're, you know, as a, as a sports team, you're, 
selling on behalf of the sponsor. It's uh, it's a different setup with ours. Um, 11th Hour Racing is an organization based in, in Newport, Rhode Island, and their mm-hmm. remit is... Uh, you know, solely to um, to uh, to raise awareness of ocean health issues, but um, also inspire action on on innovative solutions. So, um, uh, so they do that in three different ways. The first is through sponsorships like ours. Um, you know, they have a real, you know, understanding or or passion that uh, belief that um, sports teams have this great, uh, you know, I think it's, you know. Um, a small amount of people follow science, um, but a huge amount of people follow sports. So actually, yeah. if you can get the solutions out through the through the megaphone of sports, then we're in a great position. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's the sort of the the mission behind why they they do sports sponsorships, and they also have a um, ambassador program. Um, so in a similar way, using fantastic athletes around the world to um, to speak to those issues and then they have the grantees so that is um you know uh giving grants to the incredible organizations on the ground doing the work so a, a big part of your job as the 11th hour racing team is to interact with and and actually work with these local ngos that's that's actually a crucial component of of at least in this specific case the ocean race is going from going to your new location where you you stop and fix the boat, do whatever you need to do while simultaneously mm-hmm. working with a local NGO that promotes and, um, and encourages, mm-hmm. uh, well, the values that are important to you. Like you were saying, exactly doing yeah. the cleanup yesterday. Exactly. I guess as a team, we're a bit of a vehicle for, for our sponsors. Um, uh, yeah. Um, mission around, um, uh, supporting those NGOs as well. So. Mm-hmm. And is there, how how do you actively communicate this? I mean, is it through social media or is it because people are are genuinely, I don't, I know practically nothing about sailing. So I, that's why I'm asking. Uh, is it because you, there are a lot of sailing enthusiasts who are watching this and, and they understand because it's constantly being talked about the ocean race, meaning ocean health and ocean awareness. Is that, I guess I'm just looking to understand how people end up finding out about this important message that you're working so hard to promote. Yeah, I think also um, definitely in the sailing world, the ocean, the ocean race is one of the biggest, if not the biggest um, racing event um, in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way for sure. But then also um, when we're at each stopover location, um, you know, there's uh, big ocean race villages, ocean live parks, lots of uh, exhibitions and stands talking about all the different projects that the ocean race are working on and that local local NGOs are working on. So um, there's a huge amount of footfall through those um, through those uh, race villages at each stopover as well. Got it. And okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then is the ocean race an annual thing? it's uh it's not annual it's about every three three or four years that makes sense yeah considering the amount of work that goes into actually organizing this but um and and does that mean that the um is the ocean race the locations of each stopover every race are they different each each race Mm -hmm. yeah they can be some are some are um have been pretty consistent um but this is the first time that we're in Cabo Verde which is cool um but yes they can change um we've got slightly fewer stopovers this uh this campaign which was due in part to the ocean race um 
wanting to reduce the footprint of the the race itself by 80 percent which is um which was pretty ambitious but they've achieved so um yeah so there's fewer stops means longer legs so what one of the really cool uh pieces to watch is going to be from Cape Town to Itajai in Brazil which is going to be a you know 30 to 40 days through the southern ocean um in sort of 40 foot um waves and and um storms and um and you know temp- temperatures and all sorts of things to all sorts of challenges so and you're not one of the sailors correct no so what no, do I'm you what do you do i mean how how do you watch them or do, are they just sending reports is there some sort of satellite imagery i mean how do you know what's actually going on yeah so we um yeah i'm i yeah as part of the um shore support team I'm basically glued to a tracker, which updates every um, every every couple of hours. So, um, or you know, this leg actually was every hour. So, yeah, you're just sort of waiting for the hour to tick over so you can see how the team are doing and um, and waiting for for. We also have there's a lot of media and comms that comes off the boat. So we have an onboard reporter, Amory Ross, who uh, sends off fantastic blogs and um and imagery and video uh content so you can see what life is really like on board as well and and this comms person uh what is it a he i i, I didn't catch the name Amory is a he, yeah. okay. mm-hmm. um and so is but is he a sailor or he's just sitting there documented documenting so he is a well um he is a fantastic sailor but he in this um the within the rules of this race he can't actually um sail the boat so there right. are some restrictions around that he can do things like you know um uh, he can do anything except sort of help with the with the um yeah with the actual sailing of the boat so he Absolutely. you have two got two on and two off any one time and then amory kind of floats in between and he'll help with you know making sure everyone's fed and looked after and and things like that um but quite a tough position for, for him to be in because i'm sure he'd love to just get on the handles and help out yeah and um yeah I I can see that um especially if he's is a good sailor and he really knows what's going on he just sort of has to sit back and just watch and if they're struggling it's sorry but in the meantime he's taking some some very beautiful uh content and I'm sure you should really check out this it's amazing um some drone footage he got in the last campaign of uh whales feeding which was just awesome I, I normally save this question to the end, but where can people uh, see those photos if they want to take a look? Yes, so our website is 11thHourRacingTeam.org and then on social media we're um, 11th Hour Team, yeah. uh, which is where you can find us. And then also if you're interested in the toolbox, the resources behind the toolbox, if you're a SME or if you're just interested in putting together a sustainability program for your project, then it's uh, sustainabilitytoolbox.com. Amazing. Well, actually, I think... This is this is a really perfect place to end, um, and I, I mean, it sounds like the the work that you're doing and the intense, um, the intense like racing situation that these sailors are going through is is unbelievable, and it's it's all for of course for the fun of of sailing and for the fun of the race, uh, but really the the bigger picture here is to bring awareness to how important our oceans are uh, for for all life really i mean the earth is mm-hmm. what 70 percent ocean so um you know it's very very important that we understand what the challenges are that we're facing and and what can be done today right now 
with the tools and resources that we have currently available to us to, to actually mitigate and hopefully solve and, and turn around some of these challenges. So, um, well, best of luck, Amy, to you and the team and um, enjoy beautiful Cabo Verde. The, the view you showed me earlier looks looks stunning and, and the flat you're in right now looks like a lot of fun. I hope you sit in that swinging chair right behind you <laughs> all the time. That's, yeah, that's where I'd be all the time. Um, but yeah, best of luck to the team. I, I hope um, coming in second at, at Cabo Verde on, on this first leg is, is a good omen for the rest of the race. And um, yeah, and, and I hope as well, in addition to a successful race, I hope that you're able to raise the awareness and, and really demonstrate to, to people in all of the locations you're going to and around the world about what can be done to protect our oceans. Thank you so much, Daniel.